Hi, in this episode of IB Matters, we talk with John Halligan, an experienced IB educator based in the Netherlands, about the unique place of the career-related program, the CP, in the suite of IB offerings. His recently published article, linked in the podcast notes, challenges the IB to help the CP take itself out from the shadow of the more well-known diploma program. John argues that each program has its own strengths, and the CP should have a chance to mature into the equal partner it deserves to be. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hey folks, welcome back to IB Matters. Uh, This is John Peterson, and today I have a guest from the Netherlands uh, with us, John Halligan. And um, I came across John through an article he shared on LinkedIn, um, to paraphrase at least the title, it's The CP May Be a Cure for the Diploma Program Midlife Crisis. And as you'll hear in our conversation, I'm sure uh, John and I are simpatico, not only in our names and our spelling of our names, but also in uh, the fact that we both see CP as a, a real um, tool for schools to um, mature and develop their IB programs. And it has a lot of uh, applications for um, improving uh, IB education in schools. Uh, even those that don't have IB yet, it would be a great solution. So uh, hello to you, John. Hi, John. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. And thanks for taking the time out today to talk to us. Uh, we have a number of podcasts about the CP, but I think this one um, is uh, going to take it in a little different direction and give, I think, a more practical view of, of where we're going. And so I'm looking forward to the conversation. Great. You, yeah, great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to what you're doing right now, and, and then we'll go from there. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm 52 years old, and uh, surprisingly, I've been working for, I calculated the other day, 45 years. My first job <laughs> was when I was seven, wow. uh, paid job, that, that is. So uh, I, uh, I worked uh, for a milkman. Uh, he right. gave me 50p for two hours' work. But uh, since go. then, I've had a sort of a long and illustrious career, 25 jobs, five industry se- sectors, everything from a builder to a to a court reporter. I've even been a cabana boy in Florida, <laughs> but uh, I left uh, just last year. Just last year, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what it tells you about me is I, I, I like I like to work. I always saw the relevance in work. I always wanted those work experiences. Um, school kind of left me a little bit cold. I was very on and off. Okay. Uh, if I didn't see the relevance in what I was learning, I switched off, and and that's probably rightly why teachers and, and the head of the school kind of said that I wasn't ever going to amount to too much. <laughs> so uh, I kind of left school early and uh, if, of all places joined a bank, which I hated. Okay. Um, no offence to bankers out there, but I did do a little bit of night school, which got me to university. And I decided to become a teacher because yeah. I thought, right, if if I'm, if I'm you know, going to try and affect change, then really – it needs to be in the world of education. And I yeah. wanted to be able to answer those questions that I was asking. Yeah. I was that horrible child that used to say, why are we learning this? What's the point mm-hmm. of this? And I yeah. thought, well, if I can't be a teacher and stand in front of the class and say, well, you're learning this because, or this is what this looks like in the real world, or, this is the relevance of this, then I didn't have a right really to uh, to complain as a, as a student. So yeah. 
I spent 25 years uh, in education as a teacher and then subsequently a school leader mm-hmm. and then joined um, the IB. Now, previous to joining the IB, I should say that I came across the career-related programme, which I thought was the most innovative programme that I've ever seen. Uh, I implemented it five times uh, through different streams. Wow. And partly because of that, um, I got recruited by the International Baccalaureate uh, based out the Hague uh, to head up their um, development and recognition department, which I jumped at, uh, obviously, to to affect change and try and um, develop IB programmes in multiple contexts, particularly the CP, although you're not allowed to have a favourite child, or should mm-hmm. I say programme at the IB. Yeah. Um, that was my passion. But I worked with governments, with groups of schools, individual heads, really trying to Uh, understand their vision and then see how the IB could be either an enabler or an accelerator of that vision. Mm -hmm. So I worked extensively there for for five years, developed an absolute passion for IB education, but more than anything else, the transformational nature of the career-related programme and the possibility of the career-related programme. So I could talk a great game. And I could espouse all the virtues of a career-related program. And I, yes, I had implemented it previously, but in a very uh, generic form. Um, but since January, I've left the IB, uh, formed right. a new school group with uh, my very good friend, uh, Damien Bachu, who was the former head of the CP and DP program at the IB. Yeah, we're opening... Um, IB schools, we've got two candidate IB CP-specific schools, 16 to 18, in Switzerland, and we're going to focus uh, on career, uh, sorry, industry-aligned education, mm-hmm. okay, that with authentic courses. So we're, we're really um, trying to, uh, like I say, walk that walk, design the courses, work with the industries, uh, work with the universities, and work with the students to make sure that the education is real world, purposeful, and relevant. So that's where I uh, I am at the moment. So it sounds to me, are you looking at uh, founding these schools as an idea that they are uh, replicable? <laughs> yeah. Look, we what we want to do is is first of all um, develop the uh, career related study aspect mm-hmm. of the particular industry we're focusing on. And we're focusing on, in our first international school in Montreux, hospitality. And we've secured university partners and we're in the process of securing industry partners. And that we'll have the school as a, as a beacon of good practice within that area. Okay. But then we want to bring in other schools uh, as, a, as partners. Um, uh, so, you know, developing that career-related study, bringing other schools and bringing in that learning community, linking them with industry and linking them with, uh, with universities as well. So there's clear, authentic pathways for those students to go on. Sure. But no school is an island. Yeah. You know, you're still within a network. You guys over there in the US do that very well with your districts. So I suppose it's like creating a hospitality district, if you understand sure. what I mean. Yeah, so it's a little, let me get this, uh, get a clearer idea. So what you're saying, you're providing the hospitality-related um, career pathway and other schools mm-hmm. may send students to you part-time to do that portion of their studies? 
or are you, um, not, you, not are, you a compreh- are you a comprehensive school in addition to the uh, hospitality work? So we are we are we're going to be a CP school for sixteen to eighteen year olds. Yep. Uh, we will design the career related study aspect of the CP. Mm-hmm. Okay, which in this case in our Montreux school in uh, in Switzerland will be in hospitality. Okay. We'll develop that into an online environment supported by our tutors, and then we'll invite sc- uh, other schools to come into our partnership network okay. to be able to access that online course, okay, visit our school should they want to if they're close enough or if yeah. there is a, a need, but also to also get the support that we've secured through our industry partners. So if you need an expert in your school or to have a seminar with an expert to talk about the ethical dilemmas currently in hospitality, we'll help furnish that. If you want to get a, a more of a masterclass in the culinary arts, okay, okay. watch, a, watch a, a video or have, a, have a, a, a live seminar on that, then we'll facilitate that as well. So it's, it's building that community, that learning community of schools who have access to industry and university and uh, uh, are following, like I say, our, uh, our course that we've developed, our CTE course in, in the case of the US, in mm-hmm. hospitality. Mm-hmm. And then we'll replicate that into other industries. Oh, interesting. So because you, uh, you're going to bring your um, CP portion uh, online, do you find the geography location to be at all important or are you trying to keep it to uh, students and schools located in Switzerland? Um, to be honest with you, uh, we'll start. We'll start probably in uh, in Europe and uh, Asia Pacific, um, because we can we can manage those time zones initially, and then we'll oh, yeah. look for for partners in the Americas, um, and whether we create another learning hub in the Americas, uh, or we move uh, launch that out of Switzerland. Time will tell. Yeah. Let's get it get it straight. Yeah, you and I are seven hours apart now, so I can obviously yeah. I can relate. You can relate to that um, that difference. Yeah. Um, interesting concept. I, I I hadn't heard that before. Is this something that you and Damien uh, kind of created uh, on your own after doing some brainstorming? Um, it's it's one of those things that look what we what we have with the CP. You have what I call islands of excellence, mm-hmm. um, and you might have schools who've got great connections with industry. And you might have some schools who've got great connections with the university. Um, and sometimes you have particular schools that have a great connection with both. But what you never find is that, that they all work by themselves. And what we're trying to create is that landmass, that network, so that a school isn't by itself doing a course, okay, and there's no other schools doing a similar type of course, so there's nobody to talk to. There's no support school to school to school. And trying to make that into a, like, say, a global platform. So that's something we felt first and foremost we need to bring that together. And then obviously we want education that marries, that brings in that level of experience as well. So there's some ex- real experiential learning, some proper training, backed up by obviously the uh, the academic rigor as well. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I keep saying the word authentic. So it's from industry, yeah. it's from university, and it's in a school. So, um, given your the model that you've just described, is there are there any issues with the authorization process that um, that you're coming up against because it's not a typical model? 
Um, I mean, the IB, in terms of the CRS, in terms of the career-related study or the CTE course, mm-hmm. no, because that can be right. delivered online. Right. Uh, right. It can be delivered blended. It can be delivered face-to-face. Um, the same with our course. You can, you know, you can take the on, the the online course. Now that will be supported by our tutors, or you can take it as a resource and deliver it face to face in situ with your teacher. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's 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 different opportunities, but none of those affect the um, as long as it has, you know, with any CTE course or career related study, as long as it's recognised by a professional body. Right. Ours is by industry, as long as it's recognised by university. Ours is with our university partners. So we're taking away the barriers uh, to implementing the CP that you find in some parts of the world where right. it's it's just in, it's in the hard bucket. And people yeah. go, oh, I've got to go do all that work to find an yeah. industry partner. I've got yeah. to find out where this course is going to take these students. So yeah. we're trying to take away some of the pain. Yeah. Yeah, you're very right. I mean, I, I, one of the things I was exploring when I was working in, in the school that I last worked in, trying to you know, look for pathways for the CP, you know, as a person who is a science teacher, I didn't necessarily have, uh, you know, had some academic connections, but I didn't have some industry connections myself personally. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I'll just give a little background to you and then also to the listeners is that here in Minnesota, where we're located, um, it's actually become a little infamous with the uh, um, George Floyd killing recently, but um, people that didn't know about Minnesota, we have uh, the Twin Cities, which are large industri- or large uh, urban hubs, but the rest of the state is quite rural and um, doesn't really support, uh, most of the schools are too small to support a DP. And many of those uh, areas around the state have local industries that would be great partners, but they don't mm-hmm. have a great um, ability to add a full DP program because the school might only have, you know, 100 kids or 80 students total um, in grades nine through 12. And so they're quite small and a CP would fit very well, especially with the partnerships that are available. Um, And I mean, yeah, go ahead. uh, Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I think, I think, I think there's a real interesting challenge uh, that you're you're coming out with there, if you don't mind me saying, and Mm -hmm. imagine if, you know, you could, you could get a group of schools together and you could be able to, you know, one part, with one particular industry another with another but then you share those resources in a network mm-hmm. and uh, you can have you know um students doing multiple industry tracks would right. be i mean that would be i mean that's what we're aiming to do if we're trying to systematically work through each industry mm-hmm. put the university uh, recognition piece and the industry recognition piece and the sort of the vision for the future is if you can imagine you walk, imagine walking into a, a classroom uh, and you say to the teacher, hey, you know, what's, what's, what's everybody doing here? And, you know, you've got a class of 10 kids in there. Um, and you, you can, the teacher turns around and you say, well, we've just come in today just to do some sort of uh, catch up because a lot of these guys are working independently. They're online. They're talking to uh, their, their tutors in various industries or industry leaders. But, you know, those two over there are doing architecture. CP in architecture. This guy's doing a CP in engineering. You know, this one over here is doing a, uh, a CP in, in uh, building and plumbing. Uh, another person, you know, so that the variety of courses, but because the other thing we're doing is making it accessible. It's got to be accessible and uh, for the, for, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a high premium cost. 
mm-hmm. if you're scaling out across the uh, across the school. So take away the barriers of recognition and cost, and you can then have a you have a legitimate and authentic um, career related pathway for multiple students in multiple contexts. So you talked about your many. Um, jobs in your lifetime. Is that where you've yeah. got your connections to the industries or, you know, for someone, you know, taking myself as an example, I just kind of been, you know, my nose has been inside my school walls for the most part or was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so how does, you know, how would you suggest or any advice to people who are out there trying to find the connections like to the hospitality industry as you've done at Montrose? The, the best, the best piece of advice that I could give to schools is to one, understand uh, what the expectations are uh, from the parents and the students uh, understand the cohort that are going to sit are going to be part of the uh, career related program mm-hmm. and get an understanding of what their interests are uh, when we were when I was in the Middle East we launched four um, CT uh, CP tracks uh, and they were very local because we had access to the local industry and it's a case of knocking on the door and talking to them and bringing industry into the school. Uh, the same with the university. It was a case of knocking on the door and saying, hey, look, this is what we're doing, talking them through it and explaining the program to them and why. You know, most universities get it, most educators get it quickly and most industry are, are very keen to sort of, once they understand what's expected of them, then they're more more often than not, they're ready to go on board. Mm-hmm. At a larger level, that what we're doing, we were just lucky with the connections that we had. Mm-hmm. So we're starting from a position of strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's cool. You know, it, it is interesting, though, while you were talking earlier, it just kind of went through my mind that uh, here, we, here we are as an association of IB schools in Minnesota and our, and our 20 DP schools that we have, um, we could bring ourselves as an entity to two bigger organizations and say, you know, mm. we We'd like to do that. And uh, I know personally that we have a number of listeners to this podcast that are also other associations like Wisconsin, FLIBS, Mid-Atlantic, Texas, Cause. We have people in all those areas that do listen. So if they are hearing this and are thinking, well, maybe that would help build the CP, because that is really one of my goals. I've been doing this work with the director of the Minnesota Association for five years. And, you know, it's it's been a goal of mine from the beginning to grow CP, in particular in rural Minnesota, where there are very few DP programs. These small schools that, you know, I, we've actually joined the Association of Rural Schools in Minnesota and I've presented a couple times there with the idea to help just get them to know who we are because we're, you know, there's so little exposure in rural Minnesota. And I've been talking to other people, there's relatively little exposure of IB in rural America or other parts of the world. Um, it's often in urban areas. And so if we could find a foothold, and I think the CP is an ideal one for high school students to do this and and your article we should maybe get back to the article that we originally <laughs> started to talk about but the article itself is kind of it brings up some great um examples of the flexibility of cp and how customizable it is and if you don't mind can we just turn our attention to that and maybe you can just summarize some of that that you said in your article which by the way I, it is linked or will be linked in the podcast notes for this uh, episode too so let me give you a bit of background to where where i was coming from so look at it was really a culmination of a couple of things. Uh, I've been reading a lot about the sort of the what the new normal may look like, uh, the impact of COVID, and how this has amplified quite a lot of the the um, issues that that uh, were facing education anyway. Um, and then, it, obviously, at the same time, I know there's the diploma review going on, 
Mm-hmm. And I just read a recent test. I just, sorry, listened to a recent test uh, podcast with Siva. Oh, I heard that. And I've got a sort of a, yeah, I've got an underlying frustration that that there is a distinct lack of voice for the CP. It kind of gets drowned out by the other programs. Mm-hmm. So I wrote an article. I wrote a bit of a tongue-in-cheek article. And what I wanted to do is leverage the uncertainty around uh, the direction uh, the IB would take with, uh, with the DP review to mm-hmm. promote the CP. And then I couched that in terms of uh, a DP midlife crisis. It's 52 sure. year old tips, 52 years yeah. old like myself. Yeah. Um, and I used, obviously used my own, as, as you can read in the article, mm-hmm. my own yeah. midlife crisis is the launch pad for that. Sure. Yeah. So I wanted to sort of really begin to separate the scope for the DP and why the CP is, is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so that people can can have got something to compare to, and so, you know, I was very much sort of delved into the fact that the diploma program. What is it? It's a pre-university program. That was its purpose. That's why it was set up. Okay, and it was couched in a baccalaureate approach, as per the other European qualifications at the time. And the point of it is that it can be delivered to international students globally, and it's portable, and you're supposed to gain access from it. And for the most part, this is true to the most prestigious universities around the world. And that's amazing. That's its purpose. Um, But what I wanted to point out is that's also, let's be clear about its purpose. It's preparing students for university. University is the world of academia. Okay. So the DP's potential range of development is, is inextricably linked to the levels of tolerance within universities or the regulators or the ministries of education. So how far can the DP review go? How flexible could it be? How uh, bleeding edge could it be? It's only within that set of tolerance. Okay. And yes, we're going to a new normal, but there are 200,000 students every year who do DP exams that rely on the fact that the DP is accepted at universities globally. So as I said, uh, I suppose the bottom line is, I said in my article, um, you can only do so much. And if you try to reinvent yourself, uh, I think I said I would change my name to J-Dog and and start a rap career, you know, just to illustrate the point, the DP can't go that far. Okay. I don't want to get, I don't want such a great program, which it is, to get too bent out of shape. Sure. So it's sort of stay true to itself was it was its message. But I said, we do have a great, young, audacious program in the CP, and the CP is very, very different. Um, and I talked earlier about that golden triangle, which is where you bring universities, industries, and school together. Mm-hmm. And you, the CP is about uh, deep, academic learning and deep professional or vocational learning mm-hmm. it's bringing those together and the thing that that struck me in the u.s i just read funnily enough that um i think it was uh 50 of u.s students who dropped out i think it was 2017 um 50 of them said it was due to boredom yeah and and that's for me we then there's a gap yeah. There's a huge gap there. Um, 
the CP allows and encourages that understanding of relevance. If you have relevant education and you have purposeful education, you get engaged students. And the CP allows students to follow their passions. Okay. And I mean, if you look at, um, when you look at the future of work, okay, part of the future of work is about develop, developing employability skills. Yeah. Okay. If you look at the top four employability competencies, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration, okay, yeah. how do you truly and authentically develop those? You develop them by applying them in real-world situations. And for the CP, that's within the industry you're focusing on. So let's say applying your critical thinking skills to analysing a real ethical dilemma a particular industry is facing, something like, you know, gender-related pay in the media. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, CP students are able to lead a team through a, a structured starburst or thought shower activity uh, to generate new ideas and that could again could be in the in a in a, a real world situation where they've got to come up with solutions right. um you know by following the cp they're learning to be effective communicators but also they're learning about cultural intelligence now imagine implying that um, knowledge uh, when put into a hospitality internship where you're meeting people from all around the world. Okay, not only are you allowed to, uh, you're able to effectively communicate, you have a deeper understanding and you're more culturally intelligent about how to handle those customer relations. Yeah. Now, the CP can deliver on those things. The DP has the potential, but it can't do it authentically because the industry link isn't there. Okay. And I'm trying to make that real, very clear separation. The DP is a great academic program. The CP has both, okay? Right. But it allows you to develop your competencies in an authentic manner. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. Well, that's, uh, thanks that for that didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely did. It, 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 in fact, it, I've, I've learned quite a bit from just this conversation because I didn't exactly accept it or read it in that context. I was thinking about it in terms of uh, schools that have had a DP for a long time. I know you were referring to the, um, the review process going on in DP, mm-hmm. but many of us that have had you know, programs that are five to 15 years old or longer find that we kind of get a midlife crisis individually as well in our own mm-hmm. schools. And that's, I think, what I'm seeing in our Minnesota schools that are adding the CP uh, we should be up to about half our schools with CP, half of our DP schools with CP, uh, and many of them are adding them because they've spent uh, five, ten years developing a, a, a robust DP program. But there hmm. tends to be kind of that nagging uh, business of the kid that is certainly capable of doing the DP, but has other ideas and priorities. And for those, the CP is such a perfect fit. So that student like you said, um, is going to be both college and career ready, but they're going to have a much more knowledgeable um, base or platform on which to stand as they make that choice. Um, mm. I think I often talk about with the the college bound students, the kids that are, you know, their parents and they have from, from toddlers, they've decided they were going to be college kids. And so they have this big, you know, exposure to only academia. And then they go off to college and kind of have this yeehaw and don't really know what the, 
um, what work is like. And so the CP kid mm-hmm. knows both. And they actually, even though they may not go into hospitality, just dealing with the issues, as you just described so well, the issues of, of becoming a, a, you know, learning other people's cultural backgrounds and, and how to work with them, that background will um, steer them well in whatever career they go into. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and that's, the, that's the, the uniqueness and the, you know, the special source of, uh, yeah. of the CP is the, is the, you know, I talked about, you, you asked me about, you know, the, some of the other key differences. I mean, kids have passions. You want to engage, you know, you want to engage those passions in, uh, and facilitate those passions in school. Um, and, you know, if, if somebody is, is absolutely passionate about the arts, and I said this in the article, I was trying to sort of give you good illustrations of how you can support those uh, passion pathways, I call it, with mm-hmm. the CP and add something a little bit extra in, in terms of real world experience. So that, that kid that really loves the arts and wants to do dance and theatre and, and um, visual arts, okay, and you could also throw in, you know, something like a script writing course in there. So that's the professional qualification that can support it. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not go in that direction, but what you're giving them is a real world foundation for their passion. Right. Okay. If they, if they want to go into, you know, if they're, they're an absolute fan of languages, um, because the CP doesn't limit the amount of DP subjects you can do. Right. You could do, you know, you could be studying Mandarin, French, Spanish, Swahili, you know, and do yeah. stage one of a professional translator's course. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might end up in the UN as a translator, you know, yeah. if that is your aptitude. Right. Um, so it allows both flexibility and specific, specific I can never say this, specialization. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's one of the key things that it can sit very nicely alongside a DP program, but also it's kind of coming out from the shadow of the DP and say, Hey, look at me, I can stand by myself and still be yeah. a very robust um, educational program. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, the CP is maturing. It's really uh, in its uh, formative years that it's a tweener right now. I think the, yeah. the, the seed of the seed of the CP was just in the late two thousands and, and it didn't become a full fledged uh, program till what, 2012. Something like that. Mm, that's 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 when it could be stand on its own two feet. Yeah. yeah, and and it's really you know even it's only now you know being discovered by a lot of schools even though uh, it has been available for you know close to ten years. It's uh, we're seeing more and more schools see the value, and it, it comes from what you just said, and and kind of turning our attention to kind of well, how can we customize our school our education, and like the seed of your article. Um, with the uh, the so many people doing the teaching online right now and trying to revision, there's there's innumerable articles and podcasts and mm. and things going on right now about what school going to look like, what school going to look like, and even the the podcast you referred to on tests with uh, Siva um, was about that same idea that okay, well she you know she made a very eloquent point about that this uh, kind of uh, thrust upon us experiment. Uh, can't be wasted. We need to take advantage of what we're learning now and and move forward. And and in fact, the emergency methods that DPIB took with the DP exams um, has you know kind of fit nicely with the evolution thought uh, thinking about DP and reducing the dependency on year end exams. And of course, the CP is all about it has exams because it's 
connected to the DP, but it's that, uh, you know, the, the, the project, the, uh, the ethical investigation uh, that is really tells you more about the student. And remember that, uh, I mean, another key difference here is, is that, look, um, whilst the DP, you, you have, unfortunately, you have a, fortunately or fortunately, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a landmark, there's a point, mm-hmm. you know, 24 points, you know, uh, or passing conditions, let's put it, because it's not just 24 points. Right. You know, you can call them what you like. But, but, but that's, you know, the, the, that was always with me, the issue around inclusion with the DP. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was before the CP came out, was I, I was always going, okay, there's kids here that I want them to have. I genuinely want them to have this IB education and the benefits of it. It's a it's a holistic experience, um, but you know you're always looking as a school leader. You know how are they going to do? Weighing up the benefit by the okay duty there to allow them to progress um, and. That's because the DP is inextricably tied to a one-way university. Mm-hmm. But the CP, remember, you know, to, to demonstrate competence, there isn't a um, total mark that you need to get. Per DP course that you cover, you have to score a three to demonstrate competency to the IB. Um, so that it's a much more there's a much more flexible, a flexible program in that respect. It's not the culmination of all your marks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's you know you can take like I said multiple courses, so there's a little bit of um, flexibility in there in that respect as well. Right. Yeah, and like you said, inclusivity includes the the idea of where is your passion lie, as you said before. Yeah. And, and so um, you know, I still remember kind of every February I was kind of meeting the new saw the sophomores, the rising juniors. And mm-hmm. trying to, you know, kind of get a feel for them. And and if they were choosing to not do the diploma program, it was almost entirely because they had other passions that they had, they wanted to follow. They were a musician or they were, um, you know, geared towards science. They wanted to take three sciences at the same time, mm-hmm. or, you know, and so, or they were really involved in, in uh, some outside school activities that we didn't necessarily could, you know, they didn't, at least they felt they couldn't accommodate doing a full diploma. So yeah. Um, I, I love the CP for that and for many reasons, and I think uh, it is a really good fit for schools, and, and it's a robust and, and authentic program that definitely gives students real-life experience. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, anything else that you want to kind of add and or you know reflect on as a result of uh, your, uh, your article or any reactions you've received to it? Um, let's have a think. Uh, I think what I was surprised about, I mean, I was just, when I wrote the article, I was just, you know, putting something out there that, that I'm passionate about. What was so pleasing was the overwhelming positivity, uh, around, uh, the support for the CP. Mm-hmm. I don't think the CP is a finished product yet. And I, I, yeah. I did call out the IB in the article to, to commit to do a, a CP review because as, as we move into this new phase of what education could, should look like and, and when we think about, you know, which we should be thinking about now as we shift about what is what is worthwhile learning. Yeah. Um, and as I said in the article, and who decides that? Yeah. Um, we need to give students a bit more of a voice here and we need to provide pathways for them. 
Um, so I do, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, in the job that I'm doing and the work that I'm doing myself, trying to make sure that, you know, these passion pathways have the industry and university recognition and hoping that also that people see the CP as, as not just the diploma light right. or something that is uh, got a stigma attached to it in terms of, oh, it's, it's you know, it's, it's uh, a lower class of qualification. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping almost that the, uh, I'd like the name to change if I was honest. I wish we could have a professional diploma. Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, the CP did, uh, there was some tweaking that went on a, like two to four years ago that changed mm-hmm. a few things, but uh, a review, a full review and a name change, I I would endorse a name change as well. I think mm-hmm. that is one of the issues. And as a, uh, you know, when I would uh, attempt to, when I was attempting to get the CP added to my school, it was one of the concerns of my uh, administrators was that they felt, well, it was kind of a second level. It didn't have that. They didn't know enough about it. And I have, was not skilled enough in explaining the differences, um, but it has always had that. And the way you've described it, and, and I think some of the points in your article and in your conversation today, um, it, it really gives voice to the idea that it is at least in standing um, as good a quality program. And for, for some students, it's a definitely better fit and uh, it would take them further. It fits what they need and um, creates them creates for them a set of skills that will allow them to really um, grow from, uh, from what they learn at that point to go forward in lots of different directions as adults, just like preparing for university does. Uh, but in this case, um, beyond what university offers. So I hope that that... Yeah. that that is taken up by people. And I hope that if uh, people are listening, that they, they help, you know, help can change the conversation about the CP because it is um, to me, it's, it's, it's the Vanguard program. And it's the one that just is looking over the horizon. Uh, and like you said earlier, the DP is kind of uh, has its important role, but the CP is allowed to, because it's so youthful, so to speak, it's, um, it has the ability to morph and change and, and um, could lead the way for IB education in the future. Let's hope so. Um, well, anything else you want to add, John? I, I do hope people have a chance to have a look at the, uh, I wrote four articles around the, the future of work. They are, they're works on fiction, but based off of, uh, based off of a very solid uh, Price Waterhouse um, report on the future of work. Uh, future of the workplace, um, looking at sort of the possible economies of the future. Uh, I think, you you know, those were written as COVID began to impact. And so there are many different directions that uh, the world could go in and uh, the world of work and how it will impact uh, the world of education and the world of learning. Um, From from my perspective, uh, if if you're asking me what would be my own personal favourite, I'd probably say the empathetic economy. Mm-hmm. I think now's the time really where we need we need more empathy in the world, uh, empathetic leaders who bring people together and unite us, but also an economy that is geared towards harnessing the tremendous power of technology for the good of all um, and solving hopefully some of the really big issues that we've got facing the world at present. And if we can bring that into education and get people focused in that respect, and the CP could well be the vehicle for yeah. that yeah. with some minor tweaks, then then 
hey, who knows? Who knows? We all we could be sitting on this podcast in in fifteen years' time, going, hey, wasn't that a really good uh, idea the IB had? Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, for the listeners, I will add uh, links to those uh, four articles that uh, four part article, I guess, basically that John wrote as well. Um, and John, if you have any other uh, links you want to share, any of your socials or anything like that, feel free to to add those to the bottom of our outline that we're using right now. And I will make sure they end up in the podcast notes or anything else that you're doing. I, I'm planning to add that, um, that test podcast link as well. Cause I think that's interesting for anyone interested in IB education to hear yeah. uh, Siva talk about the future. And she's very, um, it, it was a well done podcast. I love the, I thought the interviewer did a great job and she had some really uh, telling answers. I thought so hopefully people will hear that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I All think right. that would be good. Okay, John. Well, I want to thank you for your time tonight, uh, taking away from your dinner time there in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm about to head off and have lunch, so we're it's it's always fun when I talk to people from across the pond, so to speak, and and uh, so it's it's enjoyable and it shows how we're a worldwide organization with interests that are same for kids and teachers everywhere. So I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, John. I appreciated it and. Uh... Uh, wish everybody a, a, a good night, good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever they're listening to your podcast. Or when they're listening. Yep. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Take care. You too. You can learn much more about the career-related program and the entire IB pre-K to 12th grade continuum of education using links in our podcast notes, as well as on the IB website at ibo.org. Now that we have around 50 IB Matters episodes covering a range of topics, we've created a webpage for the podcast, which is organized by program and by topic. The link to the website is in our podcast notes. Also, we want to call your attention to the new official IB podcast called IB Voices. You may find it under IB Voices and under various programs such as PYP Voices and MYP Voices. Each is interesting and has practical information to share from experts across the IB continuum. Please find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any future programs. Follow us on Twitter at MattersIB. Also help us spread the word about IB by liking, sharing, and reviewing the IB Matters links in your own feeds and social networks. In just over a year, we've been heard in over 135 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB.